listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I am the man of the hour, the man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gotta do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is, the best there was. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for you. Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. This is season four, episode 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Okay, I'm done now. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me back yet again, he is your third-degree North American podcasting champion. (laughs) Welcome back, Buckles. What's going on, man? Dude, it's uh, good to chat with you. Weird, though, because we've seen each other more than we've podcasted together recently. Yeah. It's also a little weird because we're doing this a little later on in the evening. Usually, we drop uh, early on a Wednesday morning. This is fresh off of dynamite tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday you reached out and you're like, "Hey, man, can we keep this one a little bit shorter? I'm not feeling so hot." And I was like, "You know what? I'm not feeling so hot. So why don't we just save it?" There you go. And we'll we'll just release late on Wednesday. It's still going to be a Wednesday night release, so it's still the schedule's not going to be tainted or whatever. But like, right. man, there's so much wrestling to discuss. No kidding. No kidding. Like. We've had a Royal Rumble. We've had another NWA pay per view. We've had multiple fallouts from say, from NXT Dynamite event in the middle of the NXT there. and yeah, crazy <coughs> mind blowing fucking spots that hurt our heads and yeah, heads yes, backs more yeah. Uh. So oh my god, okay. So side quick aside, I forgot to tell you this off air, sure. um, and this will kind of lead into some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. So. Uh, I recently sent you a picture of something I made. As, as some folks know, I do uh, Pod Daddy designs. I make my own different mm-hmm. shit and graphics for people and whatnot or things they need. And I had told you I happened to get work from a pro wrestler who is an ROH, That's right? That's right, yeah. Uh, Brian Malonis, he's the one half of the Bouncers. They were former ROH tag champs. Right. Uh, and also, the Bouncers were part of the, one of the craziest spots we've ever seen, the dart spot. Yep, very first episode you and I did, yeah. So, you know, he he and I are friends on Facebook. He said he needed something. I just told him I was going to hook him up because I'm a fan of his work. And you will not believe the fucking Bouncers debuted on Power this week. No shit. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I, I messaged him right away. I was like, so I'm sitting here just doing my thing, watching Power. And then you all motherfuckers show up, and I just marked <laughs> out in my living room, man. So it's him and a Beer City Bruiser, right? 
Yeah, and it was nice. it was crazy because they're That's a good on. Fit, uh, too. I'm pretty sure I always fuck these guys up. You'll correct me, which is which. Eddie Edwards is in NWA. Uh, or is it, it's Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, yeah. Uh, it is Edwards Eddie is on uh, Impact, Eddie. yeah. Okay, so Eddie <laughs> Kingston um, has this little feud going on right now with Pope because Pope showed back up. If you're a fan right. of old school uh, TNA stuff, uh, the Pope is back, and it's amazing. He, the Pope is working kind of in tandem with the Dawsons, which I don't really like the Dawsons, but I get what their purpose is in an yeah, NWA tag they, team is. They seem like an old school NWA tag team to me. So, And they very much are, and they've, yeah. used some, they've had some funny gimmicks. They had those two face each other on way to being a part of right, the tournament right. for the new television or the revitalized television championship. Uh, the Dawsons had to face each other, and it was it was good. But anyways, uh, Eddie came out and was like one on three, and he said, you know what, I uh, I got a couple high flyers. I got a couple crazies that'll, uh, that are going to show you guys something you ain't never seen before. And then, of course, the bouncers came out, and it was, it was fucking – it was tight. But right. um, That's some good old American beef slapping right there. Oh, Looked, yeah, uh, Big yeah, e. yeah. It was uh, – Yeah. I'm jazzed. That's a lot I'm of weight on the ring. Uh, sign me the fuck up for that because it's going to be if they're building this feud right it's going to be awesome i feel really happy with nwa as of late man i know you're kind of behind on it or whatever so i think we could just do a quick aside to sure. uh the night if i just give you the fast absolutely. paced catch up absolutely uh so at hard times the main focus of hard times was who's gonna walk away with the television title and they've been having this tournament. Trevor Murdoch is a, is a viable favorite. People think it's very possible for him to win it. Ricky Starks, also another viable favorite. Uh, they both survived the night. Ricky Starks uh, defeating, uh, let's see, Matt Cross and also Tim Storm. While Trevor Murdoch okay. defeated the question mark uh, and Dan Maff. And then, of course, I like seeing, because those I like seeing the names matchups. On there. What's up? I definitely like seeing the names on there. Dan Maff's a uh, Ring of Honor guy, and uh, uh, Matt Cross is a long-time veteran well, uh, in Dog 2020. Yeah, was also recently signed to NWA. He had his debut mm-hmm. match on Power this week. He's a good guy. Uh, I used to love him on, uh, on uh, Lucha Underground as Son of Havoc, actually. Nice. Yeah, he was, uh, he was great to watch. I was actually impressed with the match that I saw of his. I was like, hell yeah. Uh, okay. But Ricky Starks and Trevor Murdoch end up going head-to-head for that television title. And, I mean, listen, it's like two fan favorites. They were in position to steal the show. They had the literal main event of the evening. They went on after Nick Aldis. Nice. In his championship match with Flip Gordon, um, which was an interpromotional match, by the way, in WA versus ROH. They made it as, like, that was a big deal. Right. Uh, Ricky Starks walks away with the TV title, man. I think it's a great, great uh, moment to build him up as a future star. Let's say he's a good young guy. That's a good yet for them. I absolutely agree with you. I think Ricky Starks is stellar. I love Trevor Murdoch. His work, his ring work has been amazing. And I think the NWA sees his kind of like long-term viability. If you would have think, think, like went back to the Ruthless Aggression era, of WWE, Trevor Murdoch maybe wouldn't be getting over with the fans so much, but right, whatever they've right. done 
with this version of himself, which is him still playing the same motherfucking person he was way back then. Well, he's a face here, though, which is part of it. But and it's he's, so driven with heart, yeah. man, and that's what I think the fans really resonate is this guy just it's, has heart. It's, the gimmick fits really well with the old school NWA type, so... Well, I mean, I think been, they're really, really uh, jazzed to have him on their roster so much right. so they've actually propelled him into a feud with the still NWA third-degree national champion, Aaron Stevens, <laughs> uh, with question mark in karate. But uh, So that was that was a match. Uh, Scott Steiner defeated Aaron Stevens via disqualification in the singles match for the championship, so Scott doesn't get the title. Uh, Nick Aldis defeated Flip Gordon in that match. We had another title change at uh, Hard Times. Thunder Rosa defeating Allison yeah. Kay in arguably, I did watch this match, arguably one of the best matches I've ever seen, honestly. Really? Okay. It was a brutal war. It was a battle. It was hard fought. It was emotional. It was intense. It did not look fun. All they right, to, beefed. They beefed in the ring. They were beefing. It was good. It was. It was. Well, uh, I know Allison Kay's a hell of a wrestler. That's all I can say. Allison Kay's a hell of a wrestler. Um, I. It's kind of interesting because my my knowledge of Thunder Rosa was pretty limited, actually. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the only time I'd seen her really prior uh, was, I believe she was on uh, Lucha Underground herself, as. Um, Oh, hell, I can't think of the name she wrestled under. She was like a snake lady of some sort. Um, uh, 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 Cobra, Cobra Moon. Cobra Moon was her name. There you go. And she uh, was, I would say, pretty green at the time. She really didn't connect too much on her own as a wrestler. Had great personality. But uh, I've heard a lot about her work as Thunder Rosa and actually getting to wrestle as herself. She's a lot better, which is really cool to see. Well, and with Thunder Rosa, they've got her in a really interesting stable. She's with um, Marty Bell. She's with Melina, which fucking Melina. I loved Melina and Eminem. And right. She's just an amazing talent, and I'm glad that she's got her spot in NWA. I think it's perfect for her, especially in this stage in her career. Right. Um, and, of course, now they're positioning Thunder Rosa to feud with Melina. Okay, kind of turning Melina her face. came or? out straight up and said, like, Thunder Rosa, you're defending that title against me. Like, we might be in the stable together, but that's what hmm. the whole purpose of you winning that was so I could have a shot. Okay. So it has this, like, there's and, and they're starting to sow the seeds of dissent, and I don't know if they're actually going to do that or if it's going to be a swerve. You're going to think they're going to battle, and they don't actually battle, and then Thunder gets more heat on herself because kind of Thunder Rosa's a little bit over right now. She's kind of getting that good guy rub so, without yeah, and meaning to. The fact that she had her MMA debut and they really, the backstage I rem, stuff I remember them showing uh, really played up her uh, personality and really played up her, how awesome she was as a person. Yes. So that's going to be really easy for fans to get on to, and I'm not surprised to hear she's over for it. Um, so, I mean, that and the fact that there really aren't a ton of, I mean, they have a heel stable right now. They don't really have a whole lot of female like faces on that roster yet. Correct. So turning her face is a good move, I think. I agree. Um, we had another title change. So we had a newly crowned champ. The women's title gets changed. Thunder Rosa defeating Allison K, as I said. But then we had this really interesting triple threat tag team match for the NWA Tag Team Championships. Mm -hmm. 
you have the wild cards, which is Royce Isaac and Tom Latimer, up against your defending champs, Rock and Roll Express, and a late-minute addition just because they had kind of gotten a few wins under their belt as a tag team, the one and only, yeah, Eli Drake and James Storm. And, dude, okay. in an absolute bonkers shock, I can't believe they did it. They didn't even give – I mean, they legitimately did not hurt the Rock and Roll Express in this match because they weren't the ones that took the pinfall. Wild cards, Royce Isaacs Gotcha. Won. Okay. And Eli Drake, James Storm get the tag titles, man, and it just elevates them even more. They're having a little bit more fun. Crowds behind them more. I think I, I you know I've talked about Eli Drake in the past that he is he is definitely going to be a major player for them if they keep him. He is one talent that I wish the WWE had not let him go of because he would have been a perfect fit for them personality wise. Um, oh, totally. I think if they can get to where they put the main title on him, he's a guy that can carry your company forward really well. I fully agree. And speaking of carrying this company forward. Just to quickly quickly mention the other champ, the 10 pounds of gold holder, Nick Aldis. I didn't realize how intertwined in the NWA current era he is. Mm -hmm. He was like one of the first people that Corrigan and them signed. Right. Before he had the gold. Like, he he just did Chris Van Vliet, so I watched the whole fucking thing. It was super interesting. Gotcha. Because, like, he's in on bringing people up, and he's not a bad guy. Like... He plays the bad guy, he plays strictly right. business and all that stuff, and I get the fans boo him, and he does a great job as that like classic vintage heel. But it is really nice to see him step outside of that and be a human person mm -hmm. with some real emotion and like real personality and be like, oh, I can connect with this fucking guy. Fuck yeah, I'm it, even cooler. It always, it always cracks me up how well, like, behind the scenes, some of the worst heels, like the, the most villainous of all heels and like the, the absolute bastards that they can be are some of the greatest people in the world. You look at Kevin Owens, who is like oh. the ultimate family man, is a zoo enthusiast, but you know, by by his own admission, loves like big animal advocate and is just like a like a teddy bear. But then you get something you contrast that with like the Festival of Friendship. Oh when man. he's just the most absolute like bastard of the world, in yeah. Wrestling history. Mm-hmm. Um guys like I mean, I'm trying to think of another good example of it. Um I've heard. I know MJF is such a great heel, but no one really knows what he's like in person because he's always in character. But um, I've heard Pac's actually a really nice guy. I've heard that um, Lesnar uh, is, for all intents and purposes, when you get him one on one, is just a wonderful guy to talk to. Like just a really genuinely nice person. He's just really keeps to himself, kind of thing. Although I heard Lesnar recently uh, squash some beef or beefed some squash with somebody. Uh, I don't even really know. Like, that, It almost cracked me up because I can't. I honestly can't figure out if it's a work or a shoot right now. <laughs> um, the story goes, and if you've been following uh, uh, indie wrestling for a little while, Matt Riddle, who's you know all world with NXT right now, even before he got signed to NXT, has been saying for years... Uh, he's only been he's been wrestling for I think maybe four years, three or four years now. Since he started, he wanted to be the one to retire Lesnar. Like he's been wearing shirts that say "I want to retire Lesnar," and <clears throat> he's getting to the point where he's starting to rub a few people the wrong way, kind of the Goldberg thing. But uh, before the Rumble, uh, he and Brock 
ran into each other in the hallway. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Brock like pulls him aside and just says, in not so many words, keep my name out of your mouth because you and I are not going to work together ever. That's it. And just walks away. <clears throat> like, uh, that was apparently really tense. And it's just like big, bad Brock just putting a kid in his place. And the reason I can't, if, if that was it, that'd be it. You know, there's uh, rumors that Riddle had a little bit of heat coming out of that. You know, that uh, NXT superstars have been told not to, like, write critical things about main roster people anymore. Um, the rumor that he got tossed out of the Rumble in, like, 30 seconds is because of that. However, uh, Riddle goes on uh, one of their YouTube shows. I don't know if it was The Bump or if it was one of their other, like, interview things. And that's the first thing he brings up is not mentioning Lesnar by name, but talking about, yeah, I want to be part of that. I want to be the one that gets him out. So I don't know if either A, it's a work, and this is just all a storyline, we're going to go somewhere with this eventually, or B, Riddle's an idiot. <laughs> One of the two. Bro, the work and, is a shoot. Uh, the, the idea, someone floated to me at one point, was that Riddle's got this idea that because he worked in MMA, that, yeah, I can be this laid-back stoner guy, whatever, but you know what? If this ever came down to a real fight, I'd kick your ass. And, you know, to a bunch of people, yeah, he probably could. That's uh, not the tack I'd take with Lesnar, though. Listen, man, Matt Riddle, like, he was a UFC dude. I mean, I remember oh, watching I Matt Riddle way I back know. in the day. Not, well, I know. not way back in the day, but several years ago. And he, He's not if bad. Lesnar caught him, he would kill him. That's the thing is that, like, yeah, they're both legit MMA guys, and yeah, Riddle's younger, probably a little quicker, but Lesnar's got, what, 75 pounds on him, maybe? At, at least, and listen, I'm going to just say it again, I'm not being funny. If he was in an actual MMA fight with Matt Riddle, right, and caught him in the ring, and got him, and slowed him down, he would kill him. You know... One elbow, dead. Right. You know, the thing is, and I, I laugh at this now, uh, as an aside... The whole story of you know the idea of yeah if Lesnar catches him he's dead. Have you ever read? Have you you've read the Jericho biography where he talks about the Goldberg fight, right? You know it's been a long time. That's the first Jericho okay. docu- autobiography you're talking right. about, right? I I do believe so. Basically, okay. Jericho tells the whole story of Goldberg, uh, the fight that he got into with Goldberg backstage, which legitimately happened, and the way he describes it in the book is phenomenal because he keeps changing Goldberg's name every other word. It's, you know, Golden Eye, it's Gold Bug, it's whatever. And his expression is basically he puts Goldberg in a chin lock or a headlock because he knows that that's a, that's a hold he can do. And he gets a hold of him. He says, if I let go, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, if I let go, he's going to snap me like a twig. <laughs> So he so just kept on go. holding on to it, kept on holding on to it, just rode him to the ground. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a really cool story. I've gotten a chance to read it before. And the idea that uh, of Jericho himself saying, you know, if, he let, if I let go, I'm dying, to Riddle thinking, well, you know, I could take him, and uh, everyone else knowing, if he gets a hold of you, you're dying, <laughs> kind of thing. I had to, there's some irony there that I absolutely love. And, I mean, truthfully, I'd love to see a Riddle-Lesnar match. I think that's a cool story that they could run if they ever decide to pursue it. 
but it depends on whether or not Lesnar's game. And if this is true, Lesnar ain't game. <laughs> I have a really strange prediction about Lesnar. We'll get into that later when we talk about, uh, well, what's coming up because they've got that sure. super showdown and shit coming up, and he's right, got a match right, with, right. Um, Ricochet Lesnar also has a very interesting streak where he's not missed a single Raw of this year. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, granted, I mean it's Mania season, but he'll he'll take his breaks when he needs to. And that's what I'm saying. I think maybe we're on the cusp of Lesnar actually taking a long-term hiatus, and it could be at the could hands be. of Ricochet. Could be. I mean, we can go right into talking about the Rumble since we're already on Lesnar. That's kind of the biggest story of it. Sure. Yeah, totally. Um, I will say this, and I mentioned it uh, when we were at our meeting the other day. I had the privilege of watching the Rumble over at North End Pub, which you and I are both familiar with, Woo-hoo. with uh, – Casey and his crew that are all wrestling fans. Casey puts out a great spread, free food for everybody. And I uh, watched it with Mr. Dave Linder of uh, Dungeon Dudes and uh, the D-List fame. And had a hell of a time. Rumble was awesome this year. Um, and watching it with the crowd made it even better. Um, particularly, I don't know if we want to run through the entire card because really a lot of the stuff on the card wasn't a big deal. To be honest, the, the False Count Anywhere match was just you know, to take up space and time and to kill that feud. Uh, Bailey and uh, Lacey Evans had a uh, kind of a dud of a match. The uh, the Fiend-Brian Strap match was very good. I will say that. Oh, yeah. the I would say the best match that The Fiend has had yet. Um, but the two main matches in, I mean, it's a rumble. There's two rumbles. There's the women's and the men's. The women's rumble had a couple good storylines. Uh, it was cool seeing uh, Bianca Belair come out and get uh, what is essentially uh, tied for the record with the most elimination. She was in there for like 30-some-odd minutes. She killed great it. great in doing so. Um, you had the great save from Otis with Mandy Rose. Couple. Um, yeah. I mean, well, him popping out from underneath the ring and catching her on the floor is... Amazing. It's is, is, is top ten. That's, that's beautiful. Um, you have Beth Phoenix... Somehow getting busted open on the back of her head and just going on like a fucking champ for probably 15 minutes, I think it was. She took the corner in the turnbuckle. Was it? It gashed Man. her. Yeah, I saw when it happened. I thought she was. I thought they were going to pull her like almost immediately. Right. And then when I saw her flare head, Ooh. I was like, oh, she's bleeding a fuck ton. Like, she's right. busted like open. We, uh, but then I thought... It's also Beth Phoenix. She probably right. doesn't give a fuck. So let's see how right. this goes. And she killed it, man. It was awesome. Well, like we're sitting at the bar going, uh, somebody want to you know take care of her? Somebody want to make sure she's all right? Because uh, that's a lot of blood. Oh yeah, it was. Dude. But it no, she uh, she handled herself like a champ and got the uh, the Santina Morella uh, elimination where she looked like she was going to take his soul out of his body. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now the only <sighs> reason I I would discount the Women's Rumble was I'm not a big fan of Charlotte winning at all. Um, I get what they're doing now. They're having her challenge Rhea Ripley for the title, which is cool. It's a nice way to get uh, some more exposure to the NXT women, and it's a good thing for NXT as a whole. I get it, but legitimizes come on. the brand as a top brand now. Official, it, it official. Is, You're in the biggest it, stage of them all. It net. It's net a good thing. Like it, it's a good thing for NXT. It's a good thing for WWE as a whole. It's a good use of it, but. No one wanted to see her win that. And I don't mean that as in, like, she's a heel, nobody wants that. The crowd is just tired of seeing her win things, period. Yeah. And it has been for a while. She hadn't won shit in a while. That's the sad thing. 
Yeah, but she hasn't but, won shit in a while, and she is still already a 10-time women's champion. Exactly. She was overexposed so quickly that, A, there's not much left for her to do, and the crowd knows it, and there's not really any fresh feuds for her outside of NXT at this point without elevating somebody else in Raw, which they don't seem to have any interest in doing yet. So having Baszler there and having Baszler already having a set storyline with, with uh, Becky Lynch, I, I still feel like, obviously, if Charlotte's going after the NXT title, then they're going to do Baszler and uh, Becky. Otherwise, or unless they're going to do Rousey, which they're, they don't seem to have any interest in doing, or she doesn't have any interest in doing. But Baszler winning the Rumble is a great story for that and a good lead-in. Would have been kind of predictable, maybe a little bit, but it would have been it would have left a better taste in everybody's mouth from the end of the rumble, I guess. Can I may have a thought? Can I share my Absolutely. thought about the women's rumble? One thing I Absolutely. thought after, like in a hindsight moment, if you're sitting around creative and you're thinking about what you're doing, and if you had not booked Brock in the men's rumble number one, okay, right, the storyline they told with Brock. If that would have been Shayna, would have said it. Yeah, everything the fuck apart. I agree. Decimated the um, whole roster, bro. They came in one by one, and she just tossed them out like they were fucking candy. Well, the only thing that I can see, like I see where you're coming from, and I like that idea. I like the idea of giving Shayna a monster push coming out of the gate. But the men's rumble, the men's roster is easy, is easier set up to take a few losses without looking like complete geeks. The women's I roster, I don't too. know, could come back from that right as easily. <clears throat> like, they don't have enough women built up where eliminating a few of them that quickly won't just completely derail them. And yeah, I feel that too. It, it makes a little more sense coming from Brock because he's established that he's a monster already. So it doesn't. it's not coming as much of a surprise. Shayna, it's looking like a rookie's coming in and kicking ass. So it's a little, little weird. However, I mean, maybe in a year or two, something like that, I can definitely see them running that back with her and being very good for it. Um, yeah, man. So what were your thoughts on the Rumble match itself, the men's Rumble? Okay, so let me let me set everybody up a little bit. The night of the, the, night of the Rumble, um, I had drive the kiddo and V home, drop them off, drive back home myself, got in, got started a little late on the pay-per-view, for some reason, the feed I was watching, the, it was glitchy as shit, and I was having trouble, and I was really yep. frustrated, and I was like, mother fuck, I just want to watch the Rumble. And I got to watch the Women's Rumble, and it was like 1 in the morning by the time I finished that, and I was like, I'm going to fucking die if I don't get <laughs> some sleep. So I went to bed. I woke up at 5.45 the next morning when Sarah left for her work. And immediately watched the finish of the so rumble and watched waking the up and mail main event rumble. I think yeah. it was like seven thirty by the time yep. I started or whatever. But like, wow! <laughs> Overall, I was stunned at how well it played. It really did. Like, and for me, the experience of being in the bar with a bunch of other wrestling fans really made it even better to me. Um, because like. Obviously, it's a tale of two rumbles. You have the first half of the match is dominated by Lesnar. You know, no one's lasting more than 10, 15 seconds at a time. And 
people, if you're, if I'm watching it at home, you know, I'd probably roll my eyes a little bit. Like, I'd probably tune out, honestly. Like, I would have gotten annoyed with it and just like, eh, well, whatever. Let's see how long this lasts. And watching it with a crowd, you could see everybody kind of having that reaction of, like, the more he eliminated people, the more people were getting annoyed. And the more people were getting, like, God damn it, really? And every person that came out, you saw hope for. I mean, you have guys like Keith Lee come out and everybody immediately stands up like, oh, shit. They're going to give Keith Lee a chance. Oh, fuck. Oh, Strowman. Oh, fuck. Well, Kofi, surely they're going to give Kofi his redemption shot here. No, fuck. So every person that came out, you were invested in just that little bit more, which was kind of neat. And the idea behind having Brock do that was just that. It wasn't wasn't to geek out half your roster. It was to piss you off. It wasn't just to make Brock look like a badass. It was to piss you off. Because that way, when uh, McIntyre comes in and eliminates him, almost the pop of the night. Should have been the pop of the night, if not for a little bit later on. Oh, yeah. But huge <clears throat> pop for McIntyre. and immediately cements him as, wow, okay, legit. And then to have him go on and win the Rumble? Perfect. Like Good booking. It was incredibly good booking. Even if you didn't like it at the beginning, that was the point. And it worked. It worked so well. And props to Brock for taking that Claymore over the ropes because he took that square in the face. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, McIntyre absolutely looks like a killer, and I, I he was my call to win it, not to, not to pat myself on the back too much or anything, but he was my call to win the whole thing. And his character is doing beautifully. The countdown that he's been doing lately is wonderful. I love the bit with uh, with uh, Mojo on Raw this week where he put it's like as soon as I put this microphone down, three seconds later I'm kicking your head off your body. <laughs> That's it, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, it did bum me out a little bit to see to be teased with Kofi. I kind of would have liked if if. I kind of wish Kofi had been in the ricochet spot where okay. Kofi was, had, a, had a hand in eliminating Lesnar just because that story deserves a little bit of closure to it. I don't know that we're ever going to get it, unfortunately. Um, I'm not happy about Keith Lee getting tossed quickly. I'm not at all, but I get it. Um, but, I mean, once and once Lesnar is eliminated, it becomes the rumble we all know and love where – the ring starts filling up a little bit more, you get a little more high drama of, you know, who's going over next and who's coming out next, all that kind of shit. And then you start to realize, well, man, there really haven't been any surprises. You know, you got Keith Lee, you got Riddle. Everybody's hey, excited now. about that. There haven't you really had been any one surprises of my all time favorites early on. MVP? MVP, <laughs> straight did you, balling. Did you no. hear the, the story as to wh- uh, what he came back for, the reason he came back? I didn't hear why he came back. No, it was for it was for his son. Like oh, he's that's officially awesome. like, uh, it was because his son wanted to watch him wrestle, and because his son's he, the reason he had the match with Ray the night after, is because Ray is his favorite, his son's favorite wrestler. That's beautiful. So yeah, that was entirely for his kid, which is so cool to me. Dude, good um, on WWE for letting that happen. Right. I mean, it was a nice little surprise. Um, but obviously, the one that pales in comparison to Edge. 
Oh, which when that music hit, man. Blew the fucking roof off of every building that had that show playing at the moment. Um, and God damn, you forget how good he was. Or is, I should say. So I'll say still is, dude. He is like, still at top of his game, I think. I mean, and I'm not just talking about ring work. Like, obviously, he didn't miss a beat in the ring. Um, but when he came out and he's standing in the in the, the entranceway uh, just prior to doing his pyro, uh, he just comes out of the out of the smoke machine, and you can see he's tearing up. And that that shit got me. Uh, when he's just kind of looking out at the crowd and like for a split second, it hits him and he, he catches himself. and He's like, Oh shit, I gotta do my pyro. But that look on his face is just unbelievable. Oh yeah. And then hell on raw the next night when he's talking to Randy, um, before Randy does his Randy thing and, uh, gets a wonderful segment there. But when Randy's, you know, calling him family and all this, which I believe is probably real entirely. But he's tearing up again. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if it's he was trying to tear up. But God damn, the guy is just, you can't take your eyes off him, even to this day. I think that as a guy who's getting older myself, I've become way more empathetic to the world. Mm -hmm. And so, like... You know, say all you want about getting older. I'm still, like, three or four months older than you. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) No, yeah, no, I know. But, like, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just like... I can feel Edge un- and understand, like, he knows that at any, like, life is precious, man. At any moment, right. he can go. And to right. hear Randy Orton on TV, regardless of if he's never heard him say it before or not, say those words, it gets him. And it's like, oh, oh fuck, yeah. there is a level of real to that. Oh, yeah. That is not acting. It is acting. Right. It's like the best form of acting because you're not. Mm-hmm. It's it's and, legit, yeah. And then, boom, man, the the, the, the ability to, um, for Randy Orton to be the Randy Ortonist, Randy Orton he's ever been. Uh, without know, spoiling things, like it's just like, of course. Before we get back to the rumble and all that, I want to uh, one thing, one thing that I wanted, I wanted out of that, that segment with Randy, and I, it was beautiful as it is. I mean, it was an amazing segment. The one thing I kept waiting to see or wanting to see was uh, right before he hit him, right before Randy came out. Even Edge talked about having grit, and you know. Always getting back up, always getting back up, always getting back up. I wanted to see Randy, you know, hit him with the chair and then just grab a mic and go, get up from that and just walk <laughs> away. I, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to say, get up from that and walk away. Like, and if you do get up, I'm going to find another way to knock your ass back down. Get up from that, too. Oh, brutal. Like, I, and they may still be going along that route, but um, God, that's going to be a hell of a hell of a feud. It already is, really. But I mean, his his return during the Rumble is one. It's going to go down as one of the best moments in Rumble history. It really is, absolutely. And every person in that audience, every person watching at home, anyone who's watched Edge wrestle, you know who he was. Even even if you didn't get to watch him in his prime, you still know who he is and who he was. That gets every single one of you and everybody. You can't tell me that half the people in the back weren't had dry eyes. I don't believe you. Yeah, no way. It's it's unbelievable. Oh, God. And then I, not only that, to have him go to be one of the the final people in the match. Yeah, I actually kind of thought for a second, I was like, wow, <coughs> that would be some crazy shit if Edge wins this thing. 
And nobody would have seen that coming, I'll tell you that. Not at fucking all. And then my thought was like, if Edge wins, he's going to challenge fucking Brock Lesnar. That's crazy. No, no, please keep him as far away from Lesnar as you can. I do not want to see that. That's I that's do, why I, it would have that no. that's why it would have worked in my opinion. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking, but th- imagine everybody going, no, I, "Oh my god, you oh, can't yeah. give Edge Suplex City. You'll literally kill him." Yeah, I know. And like, <coughs> excuse me. The cool thing to me is that how well he camouflaged it. Like, there were rumors about him being in the Rumble like a couple weeks in advance, and he pretty much came out and said, "No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not doing this. I've not been cleared." I appreciate the well wishes guys, but it's not happening. All the way up until the rumble, and there he was. Just what a just a consummate professional. Fucking great. Every every last bit of that was awesome. Um and then you have another little interesting beat where your final three were McIntyre, Edge, and Reigns. And this is and you and I have talked about this before. Reigns, who hasn't had a title shot or been in the title picture uh, since coming back from leukemia, and really even before then. Yeah. But, and, and and someone who has gotten great reactions lately, I mean, really ever since the leukemia thing, has been a fan favorite, even. But you put him in a position where they think he's near the title and the booze come back out. And they used him again, just like they did last year with Rollins. They leave him in that runner-up spot because it creates tension because no one wants to see him win, and they know it. Smart booking. It's it's funny because they it's smart booking, but it's because they fell ass backwards into it. You know, if they hadn't overpushed him, you wouldn't have that. So it's it's smart booking, capitalizing on an error they made. It's it's kind of a weird position. It really is. Man, I don't know. It's it, it is interesting with Roman. I feel like you know maybe down the road in like three or four years they'll give him another title push. Like, and I mean realistically they could do it sooner. I, I think they'll give him a title push sooner. I don't think he'll win a rumble anytime soon. But I think he'll, I think he'll uh, he'll get that title push. Re- realistic, be, I think he'll get it next. A, a, a main title holder though for a while. You don't think, Willie? Uh, challenger, yes. Holder, no. I was going to say, there's a lot of story they can tell that doesn't have to include Roman Reigns holding the belt. No offense. Well, the the rumor that they're going with now the for main, for this year's Mania is that he's going to be the next guy to challenge The Fiend. Next guy to challenge who? The Fiend. Interesting. And really, it makes sense because there isn't another main level heel for him right now on SmackDown. Like, there's, after Corbin, there's not really a place for him to go upwards other than The Fiend. Yeah. And that's one of the few people that, if you look at The Fiend's character, who's he target? He targets people he has history with. He There's definite history with him and Reigns. So, if they're done with the Brian thing, that's I that's the logical next place to go. And... I don't think I don't think Reigns wins it at Mania. I think there's still money on having the title on Wyatt, and I think there's, especially with all the goodwill that he's gotten with this Fiend character, he needs the win at Mania to really cement it. But I think that's your next feud for it. I uh, so we'll, we'll probably not, have to see. I'm not against it. 
I'm not against it either because the two of them are good at they've worked well together in the past. Um, and I think they finally nailed the right strategy with Brian in how to make the the fiend have a good match and not just no sell everything. So I mean, they're they're they they finally seem to have the ring work catching up to the character work, which is good. And Reigns can work a great match when he needs to. I'm not going to put him up at the top, you know, whatever work rate, but he's a good storyteller. He's kind of like uh, Cody in a way. Or his ring work's not the highest here, but he's a good storyteller, which is almost, which is really just as important. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good way to cover the flaws of not having the best ring work. Exactly. It's, the, it's exactly. Like the John Cena's best move. It's Hulk Hogan's mm-hmm. number one move. Mm-hmm is to cover up your shoddy ring work with uh, the ability to tell a good story. So so I, I think that they haven't mentioned what the next pay-per-view is unless we're really going to count uh, Saudi, Arabia, Saudi Arabia Blood Money 4 or whatever the hell it is now. Uh, I think it's that's, Blood Money 4. That's crazy that they've had yeah. four so far. Really, we're Still not going to probably have any coverage on this show, just saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, they may do another Fiend wins the title there, so we may have to cover something out of it. Well, twenty um, limited. But, yeah, that's. The, I think the next pay-per-view after that, they have to do Elimination Chamber prior to Mania, and I think that's where you'll see Reigns get his title shot coming out of. But that so could just... Will he win a Elimination Chamber match to get the title shot? I think so. Okay, they've I'm got, against that. Well, I mean, they've got the Rumble... Uh, the Rumble's done, and the challenger went on for the Raw title. They need to find some way to set up the SmackDown title. They're not going to bypass Elimination Chamber. So they'll have that for the SmackDown roster. I think Reigns, unless they really want to continue the Bryan story, which seems like they've reached a stopping point with, that's your next spot. I mean, are you going to do Yeslemania again? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to seeing that feud continue. Uh, again, they brought out greatness in each other. Brian's a hell of a match, and uh, they have great chemistry. But I think if they want if if they want to go on to the next feud, I think that's where they have to start it at. Okay. A um, couple other things from Raw, or really from WWE, just to tie up the main roster stuff. Uh, we have Andrade out for thirty days or whatever it's left now. Wellness policy uh, got popped for PEDs. <clears throat> They wrote, and the weird thing is, they wrote him off with the uh, with the DDT on the concrete, and supposedly there was a rumor going around that there was some other people that were going to get out here pretty soon. People were thinking it was going to be Samoa Joe. Yeah, there's uh, a picture tied to an article. Yeah, there's a picture tied to an article, and the the tweet that came out with it was like, "Must be something in that uh, Southern California water," which WWE's already actually come out and said it's not Joe. He's not been suspended. No. So, I mean, kind of weird. Uh, and then Ray gets hit with the uh, DDT on Monday, so maybe it was Ray. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Um, the other big news from main roster WWE uh, actually isn't even really main roster, but a little corporate action. Uh, there was a couple people that got to not quite future endeavored, but are no longer with the company. Did you hear that? No. Uh, the president, George Barrios, is no longer with WWE. Um, I actually did hear this. It was the corporate yeah. shakeup. Basically, um, the there's still some hu- a little bit of hush hush about it. 
WWE stock really had a couple rough days uh, recently, and they had one of their their financial like uh, stock update or releases or whatever where they talk about the financial aspect of the company, and it's not the best. Like it's it's a little bit of a downturn from what it had been in the past. And a lot of people were thinking that Barrios, who oversaw a lot of it, um, is taking the fall for it. Um, the exact wording, I believe, was something along the lines of uh, his vision and Vince's vision were not quite the same, or they were not quite on the same, uh, didn't have the same end game, or didn't have the same view, something along those lines. But it 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 sounds like one of two things, either. We're using him as a scapegoat to uh, write off the fact that we're not performing as well as we should be financially, or he's out because Vince doesn't like him, or Vince has had enough of him. So either one is not a great look for the company, and uh, it's kind of interesting to see what's what's happening going forward, especially because you know what what could have happened in recent memory in the last year or so to really make you know WWE stock go down or what could have happened that possibly could have taken a little bit of the shine off of WWE just a little bit. Hmm, I wonder. AEW and the overall wrestling scene. Right. The overall wrestling, AEW, the ratings tanking, uh, you know. Fox buyout. Well, the Fox buyout was a good thing. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily know if they're going to keep those numbers that they think they were going to keep when they switched to Fox. Uh, that's on Fox more than it is on them, though. Um, like Fox is going to be the ones that's upset about that more than more than WWE is. They don't. They've already made their money. They don't care. But um, let's also not discount the fact that you know being tied to a Saudi Arabian uh, journalist being killed is probably not going to be great for uh, public appearance either. No. So I mean, there's a lot of things that are tying into this that. Barrios has been there for a long time, and he's been kind of the spearhead for a lot of their expansion. And that him him uh, taking his leave, and there was somebody else that went along with him, another higher up, whose name I can't remember, a lady I do believe. The two of them, you know, being asked to leave or, you know, being retired in their own way, that's that's going to have some repercussions. That, that we won't be. That's not the last we're going to hear of this. So that's something to keep an eye on, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure um, we'll have follow-ups to this in the next couple right, months, especially when right. we get more news on the backstage going-ons of WWE. Well, I mean, it may be as simple as the next time we get a stock update from them, their next quarterly phone call or whatever it is, their quarterly statement release or whatever the whatever the hell it's called. Um, that may be, you may start seeing that. If, there's, if their next statement's a big downfall, then that could see your tie-in. <coughs> yeah, makes makes sense for sure. So, we've talked about main roster WWE, and while that's you know had its ups and downs, and there's the one more thing a, on the main roster we didn't cover. I must remember it. Give me, give me. There was a title change. Oh, that's right, that's right. Uh, big boy Braun finally got his title. Yeah, and and good on him. I'm happy for him. Uh, it should have been years ago, but good for you, dude. Happy for you. And he right, seemed legitimately... you were asking like, and questioning whether he was becoming a gimmick. I still think he is. I think that they missed striking while the iron was hot when he was the most over guy on the roster. 
they should have had him take the title off of Lesnar when he could, but <sighs> would have been a crazy moment. It would have been, and it would have made him. But they've hemmed and hawed around it where now he's back on the mid card and he's just another guy. And they've I mean, there's ways out of it, obviously. They need to keep him as one alignment for a while. They need to resist the urge to big show him up and, you know, turn him every 30 days. But I think there's there's some potential to be mined from him. I'd like to see him do an open challenge with the, uh, with the Intercontinental title. That'd be awesome. Like, a little different than, you know, Cena doing it or Rollins doing it where you know you're going to get a great match. I want to see him come and invite guys in just so we can squash the shit out of him. Like, I want to see you guys coming up, line up, take your shot. I'm going to knock your ass down. So well, uh, it's, it's an a, ultimate scenario in my head. Sure. So he does the open challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Take any, any, on, any, any challenger he wants. He's in the middle of the ring. He's ready to go. Lights go out. Dong. <laughs> Taker returns. Uh, Not to know, win the match, but he looks at Braun. He just pats him on the shoulder, walks out of the ring. Just like I don't need to do this. I got nothing to prove. It'd be interesting, you know, as a way to like, because then Braun almost becomes obsessed. Like, why won't you fight me? Yeah, that could be. And then it could become that, the itch, you know, like he <clears> needs <throat> it. That could lead up to a nice mania match or something like that. Definitely. Just saying. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Um. Yeah, that's really the only major things with main roster of late. <clears throat> I do want to give a quick shout out to Becky Lynch for rocking the uh, the deal with it glasses in the last episode of Raw, which was fucking fantastic. Did you tell me you saw that right? Oh yeah, the uh, oh my god, life glasses. Oh my god, the Batista deal with it glasses. Hell yeah. Um. And then you go to NXT, and there's been a shitload of development. We actually had uh, a mini takeover last weekend, and we have a real full-fledged takeover this weekend. Well, I guess two weekends in between, so. But uh, two weeks ago was Worlds Collide, which had some great matches in it. And a little bit of controversy towards the end where you get uh, the eight-man tag gets disrupted by uh, Alexander Wolf uh, tucking his chin and taking a kick to the face. <clears throat> getting legitimately knocked out mid-match. Whew. You saw that, right? No, I didn't. Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> so they had built it up as Imperium versus uh, Undisputed Era over NXT for about three weeks. Four-on-four match. Great match. <clears throat> and at one point, I think it was Fish as doing the, the shoot kicks, like, kind of like the yes kicks kind of thing. And Alexander Wolf's on his knees just taking the shot. And uh, Fish goes to give him a kick, and instead of, you know, putting his chin down and not taking it right on the chin, Wolf uh, gets his head up and takes that kick directly on the button and is out. Just drops. Oh, shit. <clears throat> doesn't know. And then, I mean, comes back to, he doesn't know where he's at. He's clearly out of sorts, and you can see Fish is concerned. Uh, they kind of get him out of the ring, and they actually pull him out of the match. So it becomes a four-on-three. Match is called on the fly, and I think the result's still the same. He still had uh, Imperium winning, but won with a disadvantage. 
And it still Whoa. ended up being a very good now match. I go back and watch that. Yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a match. Really, I, if you got a couple hours, take the time to watch Worlds Collide. There was a hell of a show. Um, you had uh, <clears throat> Ilya Dragunov and Finn Bauer had a good match. Uh, Dragunov is one that apparently Triple H is really high on for good reason. Um, honestly, out of all the singles wrestlers in NXT UK, I think they're grooming Dragunov to be the one to take out Walter eventually down the road, but I don't know if that, that could just be wishful thinking on my part. Damn. Um, you had Mustache Mountain and, yeah, uh, you had Mustache Mountain and DIY having a banger of a tag team match. It's a dream match, really. Um, Tony Storm and, uh, Rhea Ripley. For the uh, NXT uh, women's title, or just, I guess, NXT title now. Um, not as good a match. I think they kind of, it was a little flat. I'm not really sure why. It just kind of felt a little off. Um, you had the NXT uh, Cruiserweight title. Four-way between uh, Jordan Devlin. Uh, <clears throat> Jordan Devlin, you had uh, Travis Banks. Isaiah Swerve Scott and Angel Garza in a four-way match that just blew the fucking roof off. Um, and actually had a title change coming out of it where Devlin ends up with the title, his first title in WWE. Nice. Um, hell of a match. And then you finish with that uh, Imperium Undisputed Era match. that It's a little wonky because they have to call shit on the fly, but it's still a really good match. Whole show is awesome. Um, so I definitely, if you get a couple hours, definitely worth the time to take and look. Um, and then you go into a couple weeks worth of NXT, you get Keith Lee gets crowned the new, uh, you, uh, the new North American champion, Love which that. the crowd is fucking loves. Uh, I know tonight on NXT, I haven't gotten to watch the show, but I've seen the updates that you had Velveteen Dream coming back. Um, All for that. Yes, yes, yes. You had an awesome moment last week of uh, Tommaso Ciampa signing the contract for him versus Adam Cole in his own blood. Then it's void, bro. What's that? Did he not watch behind the music with Creed? <laughs> if you sign a contract in blood, it's void because red ink means void. Well, he didn't sign it with his blood. He signed it with a pen and then wiped his blood all over it. Uh, okay, to be fair. well, that's that is that. Okay, you got me but, there. Uh, Give it so to no, me. What ha- <laughs> you uh, got me there. What had happened? Uh, if you haven't got a chance to watch it, the end of uh, or throughout NXT that uh, last week, and I just rewatched it today actually. Um, they interviewed him, asking how he was going to get his chance against Undisputed Era. That you know, four on a three on one or four on one's not good odds, and he pulls out a lead pipe. And then it just cuts to the fact that he's already, you know, beaten three of the guys down. <coughs> he pulls out, he goes out to the ring, uh, pulls out a table and spray paints a giant X in the middle of it. And says, Adam Cole, get your ass out here. I'm going to whoop the shit out of you. And then I'm putting your ass through the table. <laughs> like yes. says it says in almost exactly that word. Like, I'm going to beat your ass and I'm going to powerbomb you through this table. Uh, X marks the spot. Um uh, Cole comes storming out, you know, who do you think you are, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> Regal comes out and says, what the hell are you doing? I was going to give you the match anyway. Cole doesn't care who he faces, so you got the match. He's got the contract and everything in hands. like, just calm the fuck down. But no, here comes Cole into the ring. Um, he spikes Champa in the head with the microphone. 
and in doing so, uh, busts him open on the top of his big bald head. Ooh. So for the next couple seconds, he's got that trickle of blood coming down uh, right between the eyes almost. Legit color. Yep, got legit color. And then <clears throat> he does – he one kick, one power bomb. Cole goes through the table. He grabs the uh, contract and signs it. And then you hear everybody in the crowd start going, use the blood, use the blood. <laughs> so he just wipes his, wipes his hand down his forehead and just smears it on the contract and holds it around so you can actually see it. Fuck Beautiful yes. moment. Champa fucking gets shit. it. Cool thing about Champa, I've I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Uh, one of the first uh, wrestler retweets or comments I've ever gotten back, actually. Really? Um, yeah, uh, I got a, after a comment to him about his match with Samoa Joe. I found out he's a Boston Terrier fan, so I sent him a picture of mine and I got a comment back from him. Radical, bro. But, uh, but. Uh, <clears throat> To see him have that match and have that moment, it's great. I guess, from what I understand, he's told them that if they try to promote him to the main roster, he'll quit. He'll retire. That's so awesome. he's NXT for life, and they're, he's also a producer as well now. Shit, yeah, that's awesome. So he is, a, he is going to be an NXT lifer, which is awesome in its own right. Uh, I think um, it's interesting that you just brought up that you uh, got a tweet from Tommaso Ciampa, though. <laughs> this is probably, God, three, four years ago, maybe? Yeah, I know, but it's interesting <coughs> timing because you just recently took the fucking helms of an untouched ship <laughs> and are riding that bitch out into the storm, and I'm stoked. Do you want to talk yeah. about that a little bit? I'll go a little bit into it. Uh, sure. Basically... I know a lot of people listen to the show, and that's fantastic. We're trying to get a little bit more. Uh, we need to get some more listeners. We need to get some more ears on us, some more eyes on us. So, uh, around G- the JICN, we've been talking about using a little bit more social media, and I've already, I've already kind of taken over the uh, Facebook page a little bit and just posted my name, stupid shit there most of the time. But I went and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if anybody's used our Twitter in a while. I don't even know do we have one, and it looked like. Uh, it hadn't been used since like 2018, maybe something yeah. like that. It was like I think right the last thing about it was for Brando didn't ever give me the information for it. And then he left and <laughs> well, like, either well. way, well, Brando was nice enough to give me the the password for it and everything. So I've kind of taken over the uh, JIW Twitter feed, and going forward, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it for every show, but I did it for Raw and for uh, AEW tonight for Dynamite. Uh, I'm going to try it not only to be a little bit more active on Twitter, but uh, trying to live tweet some of the shows. Dude, so if you're listening, if you're listening to, to the show, doing it, it's fun, man. It really is, and uh, it's fun uh, getting to tag people and get to react live and hearing some people comment back. So if you're listening to the show, check us out on Twitter. Jump in the conversation. You know, uh, have a have a retweet or have a comment back. I'll shoot the shit with you. I could care less, man. That's awesome. Um. Make but sure if you, you look follow at your, us at JIW uh, on JIC. Just about to get to it. Thank you, Dan. So, yeah, uh, jump on Twitter. Jump on Facebook. You know, interact with me. I will talk to you. I will talk to fucking anybody. Ask Nate. I talk more anybody. <laughs> I like running my mouth. He'll talk to a hole in the wall for two hours. <laughs> seen him do it. I would, already, I would have a conversation with a phone book if it actually talked back. Be careful now. Yeah. The world we live in, you might find a phone book that will talk to you. Uh uh, isn't that just called Alexa now? Ooh, yeah, 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 <laughs> very true. Uh, but yeah, and now all that, all that, 
NXT buildup, you know, it feels like we just got off of Worlds Collide, <clears throat> and now we have a takeover event that's not tied to the Rumble coming up this Sunday in Portland with a, another stacked card that may still have another match added on to it. I'm not sure. Um, you have Cole versus Champa for the title, which you and I just kind of ran down a little bit. You have the Broser Weights. We haven't even touched on the uh, the Dusty Rhodes Classic, but the Broser Weights won it uh, over uh, Grizzled Young Veterans in a hell of a match. Uh, now they get a tag title shot, Pete Dunne and uh, Matt Riddle against the Undisputed Era. You have Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair with essentially, I guess now the winner will probably get Charlotte. Uh, yeah, we're not really sure. Uh, <clears throat> you have a, a nice blood feud going in Bauer versus Gargano, and another nice blood feud in Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox uh, that's been made a street fight now. Ooh, that's payoff from Survivor Series. Uh, payoff from or War Games, War yeah. Games. But yeah, Survivor Series weekend, you know what I meant. Um, and they've been building that up. They actually had a, a match between the two of them uh, last week that uh, Knox actually won, but one a little dirty with some help from Candice LeRae and a, uh, just a fucking home run swing of the uh, knee brace right to Dakota Kai's face. Um, but that should be a hell of a match in its own right. Um, honestly, I'm really stoked for Balor and Gargano. Uh, Gargano steps up on the big stage every chance he gets. He's always good for a, a, a good takeover match. And Balor has got a new fucking lease on life with this heel character of his. He's going like, back into his old ways when he was Prince Devitt, man. He really is, and I mean, not just in, not just in his, uh, you know, mannerisms or his uh, promos or whatever, but he's a lot more confident. You can tell. Totally. Uh, he's a he's a natural heel, and he is very aggressive and doing wonderfully at it. So I'm stoked for that. Uh, all the matches look like good. Uh, the only one I'm really not too sold on is Ripley and Belair. Mostly because they're not going to take the belt off of Ripley this quickly. And with Charlotte kind of coming in at the last minute, it feels like it's kind of, it's going to be kind of, um, spoils it just a little bit. That it's just a foregone conclusion that, Rip- that Ripley's going to win. So it's a little anticlimactic, but it should still be a good match. What if Ripley only wins by DQ because Charlotte interferes? Could see it. I could easily see it. I mean, that would be a be su- huge shocker for her to appear at a pay-per-view in NXT. Right. Uh, you know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to see that happening, to see the uh, uh, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte have their match at... It'll have to be at Mania, I have to imagine. But uh, after Mania, to see Bel Air get called up to come after Charlotte. I think Bel Air's one that gets called up without getting the title run first. Ooh. Mostly just because I think it's the right time for her. they they showcased the hell out of her in that rumble match. Yeah, she did great. She killed it. She's been <coughs> killing it ever since the May the first May Young Classic though. Mm-hmm. And really, the her and Flair had a couple good interactions. I guess they had more interaction tonight. Again, I haven't watched the show from tonight, but I've heard. So I mean, they're planting the seeds of a Charlotte Blair feud at some point. So that could be a very good spot for her when she actually hits the main roster. So that could be your, your post-mania call-up a little bit. Ooh, and really, yeah. the NXT women's division is so stacked right now, they can use it. They can they can stand a couple call-ups. Uh, you've had 
gals like Knox who are kind of new to the scene. You've got uh, Shotzi Blackheart is getting a surprisingly big push straight out of the gate. Uh, did you see her entrance last week? I have to ask. No, I don't think I did. Uh, so Shotzi is a indie vet um, and kind of takes her keys from comic book fan. She's a Tank Girl fan. So uh, last week on, on NXT, she actually came to the ring in a miniature tank. That's fucking Like awesome. actually drove a fucking tank power wheel all the way to the, all the, way to the ring. That's amazing. And uh, if you check out the Facebook page, I have I posted a GIF of it the other day. Blackheart is a tough, tough woman, and you know she can call her a badass for the tank thing and call her a badass for all the other shit she's done. There was a spot last year when they did the Evolve show on the WWE Network that was one of my top like three spots, four spots of the year. She goes for a dive and uh, tries to hit. I think it was Anthony Green uh, tries to do a tope dive and hit him right, you know, outside the ring, and he moves. And she just eats it into about four chairs. Oh. And, I mean, just wipes out. And the the image of that has stuck with me ever since. That is a tough woman. Like, reminds me of Candice LeRae. Tough woman. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think that uh, that wraps up a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of NXT uh, going into TakeOver, which just leaves AEW at this point. We just came off a very, 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 very... Dude, this um, was my favorite... Tonight was my favorite episode they've had in a while. It was a Start to finish. I was just going to say a very, very near-perfect episode of Dynamite. Mm -hmm. Start to finish, they had great moments. You know, it it seems kind of dumb to say because obviously they've they've built their name on wanting to do this, but it feels like they're listening to the fans, which is something that you don't hear from WWE. And... They had interviews tonight. There were promos tonight. You had storyline development on Dynamite as opposed to on Dark or on uh, being the Elite. And there's some great storylines that they're actually formulating right now. Top one in the uh, whole industry is Hangman Page's uh, Drunk Scapade. Mm-hmm. Well, I think right now you have two of the best feuds in wrestling, and neither of them are for the main title in AEW. And, I, and that's not saying that's. To take nothing about take nothing from Mox and Jericho, because they're having themselves a great feud. The you know join the inner circle bit, the eye stabbing, the return, the eye for an eye tonight, great feud. But you have Hangman Page and the Elite. You know that's gonna it's gonna turn into a feud at some point. Oh yeah, they're, yet, they're gonna boil happen. over soon. And it it start, you started to see the scenes of it tonight when Page. You know, because he refused to tag the elite in or tag the Bucks in, lost the match uh, to the Lucha Bros and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, lost my throat, my throat for a minute. Um, to the Lucha Bros and I blanking on the other two in the match now, and I don't know why. It was Butcher and Blade. Uh, oh, Butcher and Blade. That's right. Sorry, I they make they so little of an impression right no now idea that I've forgotten the fuck them. They were. Well, I mean, they've made so little of an impression at this point that it's kind of hard to remember them. I hate saying that because they're not a bad team. Um, no, it, but you had Hangman losing the match because he refused to tag the Bucks in because there's some a little bit of bad blood there. Uh, he was needling them about you know winning the tag titles and uh, and beating them last week. And backstage afterwards, I think it was Matt Jackson takes the beer out of his hand and says. 
you know, I think I know why you're losing. You know, really shitty kind of comment. I mean, true comment, but kind of shitty in its own right. You have Hangman who, you know, fans love him, but might have a heel turn out of this if he actually attacks them because the Bucks haven't done anything wrong necessarily. No, they're trying uh, to be a friend and help a friend. Right. Well, I mean, you got there's a lot of layers to it, which is really cool in that Hangman believes that he didn't that the rest of the elite didn't respect him. And that's why he started drinking. He felt by himself. And now that he has this and he's, you know, feeling a bit better about himself, now he's drunk. And the elite are still kind of in their own way ignoring him or downplaying him just a little bit. But now he's got a reason to think that it's personal. So, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. Not to mention the absolutely fantastic gag of Matt Jackson takes the, the beer out of his hand and then walks away. And then Hangman just out of nowhere pulls out a fucking pitcher of beer and drinks straight out of that. I, mean, I was howling, <laughs> laughing. I, I'm 40% sure it's apple juice. I mean, the match is over, so... <laughs> what's up? I mean, it's after the match, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. But that's what I was going to say. It also could really be... be I, know, I know that when he drinks from the crowd, it almost seems certain that he's just grabbing some random person. The first person he sees beer, right. he doesn't care. Right. Because he's like, this fan couldn't know that I was going to do this, so he couldn't have tried to poison yeah. me. Yeah. So you have all of that as a great storyline. You have... Britt Baker's heel turn's been very well done and really just completely cemented tonight. Her promo work is still shit, bro, but she is getting better. She's getting better. I mean, clowning on uh, Shivani and Ross is a good start. Yep. Delivery's a little shit, but the content's getting there. But then knocking out uh, Yuka Sakazaki's teeth by curb stomping her on the fucking rope. Hey, give me more of that. Saying her name right, give me bro. more of that. Oh, yeah. I, I get that all right. But, yeah, give me more of that. That's great. Especially because they seem to be either dropping or imploding the uh, the Nightmare Collective as a team. There's some we- there's a ton of weird shit going on with that where we can't quite figure out what's going on there. Well, I mean, especially if you tie in Dark. Mm-hmm. The fact that Dark has some, you know, you had said it yourself, some uh, storyline angles kind of seemed into that. Well, you have Brandy getting two rounds of, like, therapy now. Talking, yeah. going to therapy, but somehow not talking to a therapist, talking to a stuffed doll. Uh, and then you have uh, Mel and Luther uh, jumped Kong last night on Dark. Yep. Now, granted, you know why they did that, right? No, I don't. Why they why they attacked her and why she's out indefinitely? No, she's gonna go know. film the next. She's gotta go film the next season of Glow. Oh, <laughs> that's huh. the whole point. That's the reason for that. Uh, well, but that's okay. Sure. Yeah. It just but, gave I mean, Mel some more heat. She seems more right. legit. Right. I will say this: that that they need to get rid of Luther badly because that it looks dumb. No one knows who he is, and they've explained nothing about him. He, he looks like a like a like Kerrigan kind of. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be like some crazy deathmatch guy from Japan that, oh, he's supposed to be terrifying, but okay, I I don't know who he is. You haven't explained why he's terrifying. And really, he looks like a 
bald gangrel that is just pointing at his head for some reason. I, I, I don't get it. So either explain about him or he needs to be gone because he's he's taking away from everything else to me. Yeah. Um, and then the final storyline, and I can't wait to get your thoughts on it. MJF and Cody. God damn that bro. segment, the the ten lashings tonight. What Ooh. a fucking segment, masterclass. It like, was hard uh, to watch. It was, and like I was kind of, I was kind of curious because we just saw Daniel Bryan get the shit whipped out of him at the Rumble with a strap match. So I mean, you know what that can do. So I didn't know how they were really going to play it up. If that was just going to be like Cody's going to take it and walk off, or Cody's going to have some kind of plan. No, he just went out there and got his ass handed to him, and MJF made that uncomfortable. Oh, yes, he did. It was really interesting, too, because there were moments where they drug it, it out got so really well. quiet in the crowd. Yeah. Dude, that, that crowd made that even better. Absolutely. Oh, it was just unsettling. Well, like, and they, they drug it out. It, was, it took, like, 15 minutes, which is kind of neat. I didn't expect that at all. Uh, like, he gave him a couple lashes, and they'd back off for a few minutes. Cody kind of collect himself. He's collecting himself, really. Like, you know that's what he's actually doing. But oh, Yeah, he's not faking collecting himself. He no, needed but like that they're, minute. But, like, they're, they're, MJF's playing it up to the crowd and yelling at stuff. And you have the the Butcher and the Blade and, like, I think it was Sabian came out to watch and point and laugh. Sammy Guevara as well, who was the first right. Cody match. And then you had uh, Arn come out first. Arn Anderson came out first to try to, like, stop it. He couldn't stop it. And you had Dustin come out in a great minute where uh, Dustin offers to take the rest of the lashes for him. And MJF's, fuck you, that's not how this works. And Brandy comes out at one point. And, I mean, they just, those little, little beats here and there. Got MJF uh, giving the strap to Wardlow for that one shot. That was fucking brutal, dude, across the low of Cody's back. Oh, my God. Well, like... MJF didn't pull those at all. Those were those were full contact. He didn't pull any of that whatsoever. And Wardlow, doubly so. Like, got a running start. Um, and then, I think at one point, MJF chopped or hit him in the chest when he didn't turn around fast enough or something. That was at the very end. Yeah. The 10th well, lash. He, hell, instead of waiting for Cody to turn around, right as soon as Cody was about to say something, he just fucking smacked yeah. him in the chest. And, and then it like, did not look planned. That did not, no, I mean, no. I think that Cody and MJF have a very real and interesting chemistry that's been built all the way back in mm-hmm. being the elite when we first saw MJF and whatnot, and, and they introduced that character. So now, it going as far as it did and becoming as uncomfortable as it was was perfect. It was what the feud needed. Right. And two honestly... Things, two oh, go things... Ahead, go ahead. Real quick. Two things stuck out to me. It was a defining moment for Cody's career yet again. I don't know how he keeps doing mm-hmm. it. But it was also, I feel like, a moment he did not for himself, not for the fans, not for his brother. Oh, that's for MJF. Well, no. I mean, not only to put MJF over, but there's like... 
in deep in his heart, there was a little bit of pride in 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 kind of following Dusty's path. Yeah, I can see that. And I can Dusty see that. would brutalate and Dusty would play, do all that horrible shit to himself too. Oh yeah. So you know, I I think that it's just Cody saying, look, if eventually, if in ten years, I win as a journeyman my first world title in my own company. That ten years, you're gonna not think that I didn't deserve it because I would right. have done everything yeah. you could imagine. That's very true. And you know, I made a comment on Twitter that Cody right now is probably the best storyteller in professional wrestling. And I would argue about that honestly. I die on that hill at this point. I I didn't start as a Cody fan. I'm really not a huge fan of his ring work. I can't say I've seen. You know, matches where I'm thinking, man, Cody's just a hell of a good worker. But, god damn, he gets you invested. He uh, His character work is so spot on. And he gets the psychology of everything so well. And really, he's up against the perfect foil for him in that MJF is right of that same cloth. Absolutely. There's some moments in there, and some moments in that, that segment... Hell, as soon as uh, he gets there, takes his shirt off, MJF makes him take off his own belt. I'm not whipping you with my belt. Mine's too good for you. I'm going to use yours. I don't care if I fuck that one up. The, the just ballsy. Just how scumbag can you be? And then, like, getting right up in his face. Like, every lash, he'd step, he'd step right up and say, do something about it. You want your match? Do something about it. You know, you've got to do this. And just going from being the... Like, he, he's been a shithead in the past, and everybody knows he's a shithead. But there's points in time in watching this, dude's a monster. Like, there's something wrong with you. And just, you are, a, like, just out and out dirt of the world. Who hurt you as a child? Well, not not just that, but like you are a terrible person. Period. Like you're not just the you know shithead that I want to go kick your ass. You are a you are a scumbag. And then <clears throat> the cool thing is, like I heard somebody again on Twitter that commented with all the people walking out. The Bucks came out at one point. You know, you have just standing around the ring. You have Wardlow. You have the Bucks. You have Cody, MJF, Dustin. Uh, Anderson, Brandy's out there. You have Sabian. You have Guevara, Butcher and the Blade. You have the 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 makings of a Pier Six brawl. You know, the, a good send off to a show. So you could say, well, he they couldn't interfere when he was taking the lashes, but man, as soon as he finishes those lashes, and the Bucks can jump on him or something, oh, this is going to be a big fight, big fight. But uh, now we got another character moment because. MJF goes from being this big, nasty, you know, scumbag. You're you're just you want to see him get his ass kicked to chicken shit heel. To yep, take the cheap got your shot ten lashes, run. kick you in the dick and run. And did he ever run? He got out of there quick. I mean, it was perfectly executed. It was. It and it, it, it was just the cherry on top. And. Uh, I'm not going to say swerve or, you know, subverting expectations, but that's a beautiful moment of, man, just that little bit extra. Given given the crowd, just that little more, more reason to boo him. 
or to get pissed off at him, which apparently somebody did. <laughs> yeah, he got attacked after the show. I, didn't, I missed well, it. I didn't show, see it. At the end of that segment, when he was at the top of the ramp, some fan just charged straight up the fucking ramp and tackled him. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch it again because I didn't see it. Yeah, he scuffles with a fan, and it's really interesting, and he gets the fan, I mean, he's punching the motherfucking dude. I mean, they, he threw some shots at the guy. I mean, you want to talk about the mark of a good heel. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Bully Ray getting shit thrown at him. That's, uh, you know, that's the... Well, I oh. mean, most famously, man, you think about Roddy Piper, and he would have to sometimes right. hide to get out of bars and shit because people mm-hmm. literally wanted him to die. Well, I'm thinking the Von Erickson, uh why can't I think of the fucking team name? The Freebirds. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting death threats in the ring, that kind of shit. Like, that's that's good heel work. <laughs> Obviously, you don't you don't ever want to see somebody putting their hands on you. And you don't want fans putting thinking they can put hands on someone, but that's good heel work, man. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, I will say... <laughs> The, the Cody uh, MJF thing, we still have another stipulation to go. Yep. As there's a steel cage match between Wardlow and Cody. When's that happening? Do you know for sure? Uh, I don't think it's next week. I think it's two weeks. Oh, so when they're in Atlanta. Yeah, it's in Atlanta. Yeah, um, that, it's definitely when they're in Atlanta. They're going to make I, that I'm, a big-ass show. I'm legitimately curious about it for a couple reasons. One, it's the first time they've done a, a cage match on Dynamite, for one. Really, it's the first cage match in AEW history. So I'm interested to see if they do something a little different or if they have that, how they put their spin on it. Um, two, Wardlow. That's his first match. Yeah. And that's a big push coming out of the gate for him, which we're already kind of seeing. I'm curious because I don't know anything about the guy. Like, I, I kind of pride myself on knowing, well, this guy came from New Japan, or he came from Beyond, or he came from, you know, Bar Wrestling or PWG. I've heard of you somewhere. This dude's kind of I, an unknown. Yeah, he, I have no idea where the hell he came from. I've never seen him anywhere. I've never seen his face, his name, nothing. So, Man. I know nothing about his ring work. I know nothing about really anything. So, I'm really curious to see, not only does he get in his debut... Uh, in his debut match, but he's getting a debut cage match. So, sure, bring it on. You got my curiosity. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> um, anything else from AEW you're thinking of? Uh, I mean, you had pretty great heel work tonight. Uh, Pac talking shit to Kenny Omega <clears throat> next to mm-hmm. Riho. And then Thank Riho you. getting jumped by Nyla Rose, as well. which... Could Nyla now be the dethroner yep. of the championship? I mean, her and Riho oh, had a hell of a match in the first time. She's number one in their rankings, so. What's up? I believe Nyla Rose is number one in their rankings at the moment, so that would or number the number one contender essentially. Well, considering Chris Statlander kind of got screwed. Yeah, I'm not real happy about that, but but it's perfect. She's to kinda, think about it. Nyla prediction time. Nyla wins. She'll mm-hmm. beat Riho for that title. Because. They have to have another title change shock right. moment. Then, at some point, Nyla and Statlander are going to go head to head, and Nyla a, losing to yeah, Statlander will propel match. Statlander way over. Right. I think she's. I think Statlander. I, I, I'm going to say. I'm not going to say she got screwed. I think the booking was bad, but her and Hikaru Shida are both kind of victims of the collective storyline 
being a mess right now. Yeah, a little bit. Because that's why they were tied into that instead of Riho. So, I mean, we could see some more coming out of that, but I think they won't get their next shot until that storyline gets resolved, which I think they're trying to do now. <coughs> uh, I do appreciate you bringing up Riho, though, because that brought me to my next thing that I wanted to talk about and I'd forgotten about was uh, Last Night on Dark. Was the first uh, and, you know, possibly only intergender match that we're going to see in AEW. And I don't even know if we were meant to see it. Yeah, that's really, it's really weird. Like, um, as far as I know, the backstory on it was that Tony Khan is not a fan of intergender wrestling and had said that, no, we won't do that. But you got Kenny, who has done that multiple times over his career. Wrestled a fucking 10-year-old uh, child. Right. And well, Riho is his normal intergender tag team partner over in Japan. And who is a champion of it. Well, he's also happens to be the co-president of the company. <laughs> so he does get a little bit of a say in that. So they did the, they ran the match on the cruise ship. International waters, bro. Right. Well, I mean, international doesn't have anything to do with it. I, I was just being silly, but yeah. Right. I mean, but they ran that show, or they ran that match, and then didn't show it on dark uh, from the cruise. And people kind of, you know, just let it go. And then it pops up on dark last night. And it's really weird because it's, it's filmed with what looks like almost like a cell phone cam. There's no announcers. Uh, it's ringside. Like people or whoever's got the cameras like chasing them around and it's shaky as hell. And it's just really, really weird. And it's to me, I, I can't speak for anybody else. To me, I didn't like it so much and not because of the intergender thing, but because that camera work just took me way out of it. Like I had a hard time getting into the match because I couldn't figure out what was like, I hated that shaky cam and all that shit. So, it's a very good match, and I, I can't fault him for doing it. And I, I, like you said, I don't know that it was going to air. I think that they ran the match and didn't film it because Tony Khan said no, and then maybe after the fact he relented and agreed to it, and that's why we get this. But it's, it's it was very, very jarring to me. It was probably one of those moments where Khan was like, fuck, the crowd was hot for that match because it was a really great match. Right. Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford. Uh, Ford right. Right? Right. Uh, versus uh, Riho and Kenny Omega. And it was a great match. And there were some interesting moments, and, and, and it was some really good intensity and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So maybe Khan saw the, like, saw the match and heard the crowd and was like, fuck, that was great. I wish we would have caught that on film. And whoever happened to be with them filming... I don't know if it was Jack Evans or Helico right. or whoever it was, fucking caught the whole thing, and that's just right. the footage they had to use. And it was like, well, I guess this is what we're using. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for it feeling like you were there, because I mean, that's really the experience you got. But it was just very jarring to watch it on YouTube. It was very, very, very strange. Um, I do want to say, did you hear Kenny's talk after the match? I don't remember, actually. What did he say exactly? I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but to paraphrase, he mentioned the fact that, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen, and, you know, 
it may not happen again. I should, I would like for it to. I don't see this as you know being a you know man on woman thing. I see it as being art and something beautiful. So I hope we do get to do this again, but I don't know if we will. And hopefully Damn. this changes some minds. It's very very classic thing to say actually. Um, and, and you and I've talked a little bit about the intergender stuff a couple weeks ago. Uh, I I don't I have no issue with it. I don't uh, my dislike of that match specifically or whatever had nothing to do with the fact that it was intergender. And I don't I think it would be a nice thing. I don't know if I'd say a nice thing, but it would be something that that AEW could set itself apart from WWE a little bit further with. But I don't know that it'll ever happen. I don't know that enough people would appreciate it enough too. It's in the eye of the beholder and how you present it, man. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I think that uh, I think there are ways to do it, man. I think it'd be really interesting if there was a match where a guy said, look, I'm not going to ever punch you in the face in this match. I will not strike you, but if you want to wrestle, we're going to grapple, and it's going to be a fucking mm-hmm. war. Like, I think the best way to present it, and you and I have to, again, you and I have talked about it, the best way to present it is by just acknowledging, yeah, it's man versus woman, but that's the only... We're not going to present her as weaker. We're not going to present this as a David and Goliath thing. These are just two people wrestling, period. Pretty sure Tessa Blanchard is the Impact World Champion. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure, and I've said it before, that Mercedes Martinez had a hell of an intergender match last year. Hey, speaking of people that debuted in the Women's Rumble. <laughs> Dude, I, that, I, I popped like hell for that. I, I was so fucking would. happy. Sitting at the bar, I was like two or three beers in. I was so fucking happy for that. I guess uh, I, I I think she was on, she had a match tonight as well. I'm hoping to get to watch that. Nice. So I, I am incredibly over the moon for that one. Nice to see somebody that I, you know, Peg is somebody to watch getting a little bit of a push. <laughs> there you go, man. You got your finger on the pulse for sure. Speaking of mm. that, I think we're at the point where we can figure out who the somebodies to watch are and shit, right? Yeah, I think so. Actually, uh, it ties right in with the news stories uh, that uh, I, I keep a list at home, actually on my phone, of who I want to as somebody to watch like so I'd never run out of that list and you know I've got about 20 or 30 names on there I've got enough where we can do the next couple years worth of shows with that and I had a couple names I had one name picked out uh, actually the next two on my list to do and then news breaks today that hey both those guys you were having as your somebody to watch yeah WWE just signed both of them announced today so if you're following news, somebody to watch this week, I'm going to do two. It's Timothy Thatcher, Killer Cross. Both of them just announced today is signed by NXT or signed by WWE. And two guys I think are really the two of the biggest free agents in pro wrestling and huge acquisitions as far as WWE goes but very different in their own right. And I think they both have a lot to offer. Um, starting with Killer Cross, I actually kind of expected him to go to WWE. There was a lot of rumors that he was going to go to AEW. They, w- they were going to give him a big offer. Um, he'd done a little bit of work with MLW in the past. 
Hell, he'd fit in really good with New Japan if he wanted to. He's done quite a bit of work with CMLL, actually, in AAA. Uh, his uh, most recent work was with Impact. Really, I shouldn't say most recent, but uh, most recent major North American work was Impact, and he just had gotten out of his contract. He wanted release from his contract, and they finally granted it. <coughs> I saw him going to WWE purely because the gal he's dating, Scarlett Bordeaux, recently signed with WWE as well. A couple uh, was there, not this most recent class, but one prior. So, one following the other, it's a natural pairing. I'm thinking since they've kept her off TV, they could probably use her as well with him. They paired up in CMLL before, so I think it's a natural pairing there as well. Cross is a big dude. I think he's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, built like a tank, and he his ring work, he's good. He's a good power guy. Uh, his finisher is a Saido suplex that is nasty. Um but really, he's well-known for his character work, and I think that's where he's going to shine with WWE, uh, especially if they let him stay in NXT, but I don't know if they're going to. Rumor is they're going to give him a big push coming out of the gate. Um, I've seen some speculation they put may push him straight to the main roster. I don't know. Shit. <clears throat> but he excels at psychology. He excels at promo. Uh, he's very, very, very charismatic for a big guy. And not in the, like, raw smash, big monster, brawn charisma. Um, imagine, uh, to try to get a good comparison, he is uh, Woody Harrelson from Natural Born Killers. Oh, shit. In a, yeah, in a six-foot-tall body. Um, my first exp- experience with him was at uh, in Lucha Underground. Uh, their final season, he per- he portrayed the White Rabbit. Uh, the leader of the rabbit tribe, and was just kooky, crazy, like, acid trip Alice in Wonderland shit. Um, I think he actually used a mandible claw at that point as well. Um, He is someone that I think, if they let him keep his character and, you know, be this psychological, almost serial killer type of villain, then he could make a huge splash. Um as someone that is has all the uh, the physical attributes that Vince always looks for and has a ready-made valet in Bordeaux that can also go, maybe to a little bit lesser extent, but has a great character in her own right and can talk. And if you're big, you can go and you can talk. You've got Vince written all over you. So I think there's some big things coming for Killer Cross here coming up real soon. <coughs> the well, other one is a little bit to different. Watch. You've been on mm-hmm. the pulse so far, so let's see. The other one's, uh, it's kind of a different spectrum. Timothy Thatcher uh, is one of, if not the best, grapplers on the planet right now. In terms of that chain wrestling shoot style of wrestling that you see at something like Josh Barnett's Bloodsport or you used to see in Evolve, um, he was one of the guys in Catchpoint when Evolve was really, really strong. Um, One of the best grapplers on the planet at any given point in time. He is a longtime partner of Walter over in WXW. He was in the original Ring Conf, which is the uh, sort of template that they improvised Imperium off of. Um, he's a great submission wrestler, great striker. He is a strong style to the death guy. Um, if you go back and watch his matches, it's watching 
brute force science. Imagine uh, Daniel Bryan's mentality in Drew McIntyre body. Maybe not as tall. <clears throat> he looks like a madman. He wrestles like a madman. And he will uh, he will hurt your limbs in ways you will never want to see them hurt. Um, <clears throat> and the reason I say he's a little bit different on the spectrum isn't just because his style is different. He's done a lot of training in the past. Uh, he trained, He's trained a lot of people. And I believe he was a trainer over at WXW, and that's why he stayed there as long as he did. He's also, I want to say, getting up there in age. I think he may be pretty close to like his mid to late 30s, early 40s. Late boy, so, no worries. All right. And, and, I mean, he's been wrestling long enough. He's not only not necessarily a late bloomer. I think he may be in that Cassius Ono vein where I say cross, you may see big things coming from him where he's going to get pushed to the moon maybe. I don't think you're going to see that. I think Thatcher's going to play that Cassius Ono player coach kind of role where he's there to really train people. He'll be on screen. He'll be a personality. You'll see him in WWE wrestling, but he's not going to be your title contender. He's not going to be... You know, your your main eventer for a takeover. <coughs> He'll be your gatekeeper, your kind of um, your guy that helps get other people over and works with them. Shit, which is yeah. what Ono's doing in I mean, you saw Ono doing it when he came back, working with guys like Kushida, you saw him working with guys like uh Itami, um Gulaks, uh, the kind of people that he worked with in NXT and now he's over in uh NXT UK and doing the same kind of thing, where I think he's there to actually help train people, but they still use him on screen from time to time in a lesser role, like a kind of a mid-carter role. I mean, think of what uh, Ono did with Riddle, where he had two or three really good matches, and then that kind of just disappeared. Yeah, okay. So I, th- I think that's more of why they signed him. Uh, you may see, you, honestly, I would be surprised to see him more in NXT UK than NXT. Um, but when you do get to see him, you will see some great matches. Um, if I would suggest one match in particular, I don't have a lot of cross matches I would go out and recommend right away because his is more of a kind of a total package that you're looking at. Thatcher's matches, go back and watch any match with him and Walter because you will see some of the most violent, gnarly shit you have ever seen. Two guys just beating the living shit out of each other. And there's some big dudes, so. They are. Thatcher's not a small guy by any stretch, and he's he's kind of got that uh, not a Finn Balor, you know, supermodel body. He looks like McIntyre to me. Okay. If you cut McIntyre's hair off, maybe make him a little shorter and a little bit older, you've got Tim Thatcher. And he is known for his arm bars, his uh, cross arm bars, his Fujiwara arm bars, and he will rip your arm out of socket. <laughs> awesome. So... Two guys that I'm really happy to see signed that I'm happy you're going to get some more exposure. Both of them who've absolutely deserved it for the work they've done in the past. And two guys I think have a really good future with WWE. So nice to see a little uh, the news story and somebody to watch having a little bit of a little bit of a coinciding, I guess it were. Yeah, working in tandem on this one. <clears throat> and legitimately, that was the next two on my list. So, hey, happy accident for me. Look at you. I'm telling you, dude, you have your finger on the pulse. Who's on, I almost want to know who's next. I mean, don't tell um, us because that's a spoiler, but Jesus. I you know, I don't have my, my phone sitting over here next to me, but I can't look at my notes while I've got the uh, call running. You're like, so you're just going to have to wait. It'll be a spoiler just going to have to week. wait. 
I would have given you a hint too, but uh, I don't don't have him. Well, okay, you know what? I will give you a little hint because I do know who my next one planned on is, and uh, it's somebody that I'm going to see in person here in about three weeks. I know who it's going to. <laughs> um, initial actually, speaking W-H? of that'd be correct. Okay. Um, so. The uh, real quick aside. Uh, speaking of indie wrestling and uh, people that I'd love to see and that work in this, you know, part of the state. Did you see my precious baby boy Danhausen has made his Ring of Honor debut now? No, but you told me. He's he's been featured on a couple episodes of Ring of Honor now, and he will be at uh, Free Enterprise, the brainchild of one Marty Skrull, the uh, free to watch, free to order uh, Ring of Honor show. Radical. Um, did you hear the other big news come out of Ring of Honor? Actually, before I forget, I don't think so. They are reintroducing an, an old title with a nice little lineage behind it. Ooh, tell me. The Ring of Honor Pure title is coming back. Interesting. Which is um, the, it's a match structure. They have, I think, three rope breaks total. And I believe it is uh, pinfalls. It's either submission or, um, I think it's submission or uh, uh, knockout. I don't know that for sure, though. I know the rope breaks rule is, is legit. Uh, I think they outlawed open or closed fist punches as well. Interesting. <laughs> it's meant to be. It's meant to be literally pure wrestling. The reason it's kind of neat is the lineage behind it. That's the belt that Daniel Bryan held, Samoa Joe held, AJ Styles held, Nigel McGuinness held. <laughs> think about the the bloodline that went into that before it got retired. Uh, Jay Lethal has held that as well. So there's a there's a standard for that belt. And I don't know that they've got the roster to support it right now, but it's cool to see them bringing it back one way or the other. That's interesting. You know, you brought up Marty in this Free Enterprises pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Interesting to bring up Marty again because did you hear the stipulation with him and Aldis? Um, I believe I did. I can't remember what it was now, though. So Aldis and and uh, Marty are going to have a match at the Crockett Cup. Mm-hmm. Four ten pounds of gold. And Marty has to buy every person in there's ticket, has to give them their money back. Really? So every person that goes to that pay-per-view, everybody that has a ticket for the Crockett Cup is getting a free show. So it's they're running it like Free Enterprise then. Okay. Interesting. Right? Now that sounds like that's a Marty. That's kind of Marty's brainchild at the moment then. Yeah, huh. although the way they that. played it off was like it's, it was Aldis's move. Like Aldis said that he had to do it. He was like, I'll gotcha. only give you what you want, but you have to give every person who comes here their okay. money back. Cut the check, Marty. <laughs> okay. And I, I'm really curious. To, I need to watch more Ring of Honor going forward just because I'm curious to see what Marty does. Uh, as a booker, not as a, as a wrestler. Yeah. But um, I did hear the... Uh, the uh, <clears throat> That uh, the Briscoes resigned, I did hear that. So they're going to be probably lifers with ROH, but I don't think anybody really expected them to go anyplace else, though. Eh, not really. No. Um, other, I don't. I, I'm not going to really call it a news story, but uh, something that you and I both noticed, or I think I sent to you, and um, when Mania Weekend comes around in April, it's no longer just WrestleMania. It's now a whole almost a week's worth of stuff. 
we've gotten to the point where uh, independent wrestling has just kind of descended upon wherever it is that Mania is held every year. And you see independent shows cropping up all over everywhere. There's a very real chance, and I'm going to go ahead and say this now, there's a very real chance I might take a couple days off at work to just watch nothing but wrestling for a couple days. Fuck yeah. <clears throat> there's a it's very good, good chance the podcast and for science. <laughs> for science and not so much for my sanity, but um, you have, just to run down the list of shows that I'm even aware of going on that weekend, you have the For the Culture, which is the African-American show. That's I can't remember who's putting that on, but uh, I know I think it's with GCW maybe. Uh, you have uh, Warhorse and Danhausen have a show called WrestleMania. Amazing. Uh, Effie, the uh, the other half of the Gaytanic Panic with Danhausen. Effie is having a show called Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Amazing. <coughs> um, you have Black Label Pros uh, Threat Level Midnight. You have uh, shows from. <clears throat> All kinds of different uh, promotions. GCW will be doing stuff. Um, you have uh, Marcus Crane's Bondage Go-Go, which I'm even terrified to know what that actually is, but it's something that's happening, apparently. Um, the biggest probably name out of it, though, the one that everybody remembers. Oh, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport's going to be one. Joey Janela's um, Spring Break? That's the one. I do want to I do want to single up uh, Bloodsport really quickly. I will definitely be watching that because I do believe the main event is going to be uh, Barnett versus Moxley. Whoa! I do believe that's the planned main event. Um, they haven't announced anything, but at least they haven't announced anything that I'm aware of. Uh, Moxley was in the uh, in the stands for the last show they did. Well, he was still under his WWE contract last year, and uh, he wanted to be in the show. Uh, the most recent one, and had to bow out because of uh, his arm issue. I think I might I might be getting that wrong. No, I think I know he wanted to be in he wanted it. to be in the last show. He wanted to be in the last show and couldn't. Um, so I think that may be in the cards for this uh, the blood sport this year. Um, but Joey Janela's Spring Break is kind of the marquee one, or at least the most well well recognized. Um, this will be the fourth, I do believe, spring break that he's done, uh, partnered with GCW, and it's always a bunch of fun. There's some crazy shit. I know I watched a couple years ago. He fought Great Sasuke. Uh, I've heard he's going to have like Janela might be fighting Great Muda this year. I think. Um, what? Yeah, uh, they always have a rumble called the Clusterfuck Match, which uh, I. I have. I was actually going to rewatch part of it tonight. I still have uh, Spring Break Two saved on uh, WWN Live, and that was the year that the Invisible Man won it. <laughs> uh, I remember Chris Dickinson coming out to uh, Hulk Hogan's music and smoking his cigarette the entire match. <laughs> uh, Dan Severn's been involved with it in the past. Um, Incredible. But uh, this year, uh, right in the middle of the uh, uh, in the middle of the Super Bowl. Joey gets on Twitter and announces, hey, we're going to have Minoru Suzuki fight Orange Cassidy. What? You, 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 hold on. You, what did you say? Minoru Suzuki, the most terrifying man on the freaking planet, the Mr. Strong style, the guy who legitimately beats the fuck out of people for New Japan. Versus the freshly squeezed one. Oh, my God. Get, well, first, let's make sure that Orange Cassidy's kin have been notified, but... Sign me the fuck up, because you have 
two things going here. And <clears throat> A, it's a dream match that no one ever expected to happen, for one. But you have two different things at play. You have people have been bitching online about it because, oh, it's going to ruin his mystique. It's going to ruin, you know, it's going to ruin Minoru Suzuki's character. He's to he see him selling those shots. He's not going to. No, that's terrible. Watch the David Star <laughs> Cassidy. Well, match. no, 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 no. There's two. Like I said, there's two things. One being Suzuki's done plenty of comedy shit in the past. <clears throat> I watched a match where he rode a bicycle into somebody yesterday. That's incredible. Or a clip from somebody where he rode a bike into somebody. He's done DDT Pro. He wrestled a fucking kaiju. Like, he's wrestled giant robots and shit. That's amazing. The dude knows how to do comedy. And two, you hit it on the head. OC can go. And those Orange Cassidy matches where he starts out comedy and goes into that full-on match are some of the best matches you'll ever see. Agreed. They're fantastic. That David Starr match is unbelievable. You know, you and I talked about the John Silver match this year, or Another I guess last year. match, absolutely. Yeah. So, let's put those two together. You have a guy who's willing to do comedy in Suzuki, and a guy who's willing to do the crazy shit and the legit go with OC. That match is going to be unreal. And I am here for it. I'm 100% here for it. Yeah, because it can start off kind of funny, and then mm-hmm. get real serious real quick and be intense. I, I I am I am the level of here for it where I am take that shit chop it up, cut it up with a with a uh, credit card and I will snort that match. Give me that. Match. Whoa! <laughs> I will main that match, mainline that match in between my toes. My God, mainlining <laughs> that match between your toes might be the episode title. <laughs> but what an announcement! And the uh, the world, the Twitterverse, the uh, the wrestling Twitter has been going nuts over it for a few days, and I am in love with it. I ha- I love it. So, yet another reason why I may may have a wrestling holiday here in a couple months. Because you know that's what I need is to watch more wrestling. Hell yeah, <laughs> we need all the wrestling. Speaking of John Silver, aren't you and him best friends now? <laughs> I, you know, I I would hope so. I would think so. I've gotten a couple likes from him on the uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, Got a couple likes from him on uh, on Twitter tonight during uh, uh, Dynamite, which I was kind of surprised to get because they came, I tweeted during his match, so that was really quick. <laughs> like he get, must have gotten right off the right off the mat and gotten back to his phone. But uh, you know, I, I didn't do that with the intention of it. I was hoping to get some eyes on it, and I think that was actually the comment I'd made was in response to somebody else. You know, somebody commented about the Dark Order. Well, they really need an established star to make them serious. I'm like, if they take the chains off of John Silver, you watch him, he'll fucking go, and they'll have their established star. So I'm hoping that gets the case of it. It was nice to see a little uh, that he saw it and liked it. So a little feather in my cap. Fuck yeah. All for the glory of the JICN. Huge win, check mark. <laughs> well, bro, I think we're down to what? A top five? You got one. I've got a top ten, actually. Um, we can put that together real quick. We've hit on a lot of it already. Uh, we usually do, but I'm not going to go into too many details for the matches themselves. Just a good list of some to check out and watch if you get a chance to. Please do. Um, number ten being uh, from Worlds Collide. Or, no, excuse me, not Worlds Collide, but uh, last week's uh, NXT. Uh, Finn Bauer and Trent Seven uh, set up at Worlds Collide, actually, uh, when Bauer jumped uh, Mustache Mountain behind for... Uh, or from behind for sticking up for Gargano. 
And uh, Seven's one of those guys that you never would look at him and think he's a great pro wrestler because he looks kind of, you know, doughy and kind of out of it. But the guy's got psychology down to a science, and the two of them had a great match. Bauer came out looking like a killer, which I love. Uh, number nine was the Women's Rumble. Uh, wasn't as high on it like we talked about earlier. I wasn't as high on the winner, and that kind of soured the whole thing for me, but it's still a fucking Rumble match, and the Rumbles were almost always great. Uh, some great moments in there, and really, even though I'm not a fan of the ending, I can't really argue with it, so still number nine. Uh, number eight, the Broser Waits versus the Grizzled Young Veterans, the uh, Dusty Classic final. Um, it's really kind of amazing how well Riddle and Pete Dunn gelled, considering they've only been tagging for three weeks. But they hit so many good like tag team maneuvers and unique tag team maneuvers. Uh, there's a lot of good counter-wrestling. Grizzled Young Veterans are very good at counter-wrestling, which is fun to watch. Um Gibson is gifted as a heel as well. He's not MJF by any stretch, but you put him in, in, in front of a good crowd, and he is a great promo. And re- really, the two of them are great wrestlers together, him and James Drake. <coughs> so a hell of a match there. Uh, number seven, something you and I didn't really touch on, um, when Andrade got popped for his PED violation, uh, nobody really knew what they were going to do with Zelina Vega until they trotted out. Angel Garza on Raw this week with Zelina and had him have a little interaction with his cousin Humberto Carrillo and then hey we're getting an Angel Garza Rey Mysterio match and it was a hell of a match uh, I think I even tweeted, uh, tweeted out ahead of time if they give us this this is going to be a fucking banger and it was great moves um, really a really creative setup to the 619 which I thought was really nice um Garza has a lot of natural charisma. Mysterio obviously is Mysterio. But the two of them had a very good match uh, while we're checking out. <clears throat> Number six, uh, Keith Lee versus Roderick Strong. The match where Lee wins the North American title, and they actually strike when the hammer's hot. And they get somebody the title when they actually deserve it. But uh, Lee is probably the most over guy in NXT right now, and for good reason. Uh and I've said before on the show, Roddy Strong is incapable of having a bad match with anybody, honestly. Um, the two of them, again, a good David Goliath match. Keith Lee gets all of his best moments in. And you have a great finish with the uh, the new title. Uh, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, number five, uh, from the uh, from the boat tour, from the Chris Jericho Rock and Rager at Sea, you have uh, Hangman and Kenny uh, Omega versus SCU for the title. Amazing. Great match. And you know something about it that I wanted to point out that was really cool? You know what you didn't see in those matches? At really any match that night, but specifically in that match? Hmm. You didn't see any dives. Dives. You didn't see a yeah. whole lot. You didn't see a lot of dives. You didn't see a lot of coming off the top because of them being on the boat and not having as much room. So they were forced to work that match pretty well in the ring and on that elevated ramp. But that made them change their game up just a little bit, and they hung with it really well and had a great match because of it. They took away some of their normal spots. I mean, think about tonight. You saw a hangman with that great Orihana moonsault, but he does so well. Couldn't pull that out. You know, couldn't pull out the... the, Shooting star pressed at the outside, next kind of things. So it forced them to have more of a little bit of a ground-based match between those four of them, 
and they had a hell of a fight. I'd love to see them run that back. I hope they do someday. Next week, dude. Oh, yeah, that's right. They are doing it next week. What am T- I thinking? A title rematch. <laughs> that's right. Um, number four, I have the uh, Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend, which I touched on a little bit ago. Um, actually, I I kind of find it a little ironic. I wanted to see who ended up looking with the uh, worst back. Would it would be Bryan or would it be Cody tonight? And I think they actually came out a bit even um, because Brian's back was lit up to fuck too. Um, they finally hit on a formula with the fiend where they can make him look like he's not like they make him look like a monster and damn near unstoppable. And they, I like that there's, they're still playing him up as the slasher villain that just can't be killed, but they don't make him look like he's just no selling everything and making his opponent look terrible. They didn't finish her spam, which was nice. Uh, really, the argument against his matches with Rollins, they involved 18,000 stomps. I think here you may have had two running knees, maybe. And still had a couple really great moments at it. It's the best match the Fiends had so far. So definitely worthwhile. He, Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan have unreal chemistry together. So anytime the two of them get together, you're going to see something good. Big chemistry. <laughs> Uh, number three was DIY versus Mustache Mountain from uh, Worlds Collide. And I don't really know that that needs much of an explanation because of who it is. You have two of the best tag teams in WWE's entire roster um, who have great chemistry with each other and really one of the best wrestlers on the planet in Tyler Bate. And I mentioned uh, uh, Trent Seven earlier and has his grasp of psychology Gargano and Champa are both professors in that regard so you have a great match it starts off pretty you know good natured you see some gamesmanship you see a little one-upping they're you know both taking it not not necessarily lightly but taking it uh, uh taking their like time having a couple jokes out. in there yeah kind of horsing around a little bit but man when they hit the jets they turn them on uh there's a double team fucking burning hammer which blew me out of the water um, I'm, I'll pop to watch DIY wrestle anytime. So getting to see them back together is like, uh, seeing the best hits of the shield again, where it's just good to see him wrestle in a match together again. And again, a lot of just really a dream match that there's nothing that's going to come from it. I, they're not going to have a feud. I don't think you see, you're going to see any more DIY for a while, but for a point in time, it's a hell of a match. Uh, that said, number one, uh, with all the dream matches and all the crazy shit and two rumbles, the best match I saw last weekend, really the best match I've seen the last two weeks, was from Worlds Collide, was the Cruiserweight title match. Was Jordan Devlin, uh, Travis Banks, Isaiah Scott, and uh, Angel Garza. That match never let off the gas. Those are two guys, or four guys, similar size, all very physically intense, all with charisma of their own right, and great spots, great psychology. Every one of them had their chance to shine. Like there's an extended period where Travis Banks, who's probably the least charismatic out of the group, really takes control of the match for a solid probably three or four minutes. It's maybe about a ten to fifteen minute match. It's it's just a sprint basically. But you see some creative offense from Scott. Devlin is one of the best wrestlers in WWE right now from pound for pound. 
he has been a revelation over the last couple of months, really the last year or so. Um, Garza is charisma personified and a hell of a wrestler to boot. And you and I have already talked about Swerve. Um, but hell of a match. Great fun to watch. Really, and I, I can't really stress enough that there's no lull. There's no moments where, man, everybody's down for a few minutes and oh, they got to catch their breath. This was pedal to the metal as soon as the bell rang. And Devlin getting the win out of it. Uh, he had a hell of a couple sequences. And he cut a really cool promo standing on top of one of the announce tables afterwards. Nice. The guy's going to be – the guy's somebody that apparently – Shawn Michaels is really, really high on. He's going to be on NXT next week defending the title, I guess. No, excuse me. He was on it this week defending the title against Tyler Breeze. Uh, He's going to defend it on NXT, on NXT UK. You might see him pop up on Raw. I don't know. Damn. They want him to defend it it across the brands, basically. That's Uh, awesome. And it's well-deserved. Well-deserved. I think it's really cool for him to get the win. He deserves it. And I'm looking forward to what... I really... Out of all of the four, Garza is getting a, a little bit of a push on the main roster. Scott, you know I'm really high on already. Devlin is somebody that I thought uh, at their last TakeOver event had a, a match of the year candidate with Bate. The only one I'm not as high on is Banks, and he's still the hell of a wrestler. So you wouldn't think it. It doesn't stand out in the card right away, but it absolutely blew me away. Great match. Well, I can't wait to check that one out as well, man. You get down with so much great wrestling that's good to catch up with you because then I go, oh, good. I don't know why to waste my time with bad wrestling. I can just watch the good wrestling you tell me to watch. Yeah, I, I, that's why I watch Raw and SmackDown so you don't have to. Oh, <laughs> doing the pods work. I will, you know, something that's kind of weird. <clears throat> you have a little bit of a, a little bit of a flip from the past where when people think of SmackDown and the original brand split and the SmackDown 6 – when Heyman was running the show over on SmackDown and how much better it was than Raw. When you had, you know, Eddie and Benoit and you had Angle and you had all the other guys on SmackDown that were just tearing it up week after week after week. And Raw and SmackDown was always seen as like the better show. And now you get Fox buys out uh, or gets the rights to SmackDown. They're they're certain that they're gonna make SmackDown the better show, right? They have to. It's the network show. Raw's been blowing it out of the water the last couple weeks. SmackDown's been boring as hell. Outside of The Fiend and The New Day, there's not much. Yikes. Like, you get the Otis and Mandy Rose thing. You get Reigns. I mean, Reigns, Brian, and The Fiend are reason enough to tune in. But beyond that, I really don't need to see Corbin and and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode anymore. Ever. And that's just what we're consistently getting. They've been pushed down your throats a bit too long, eh? Yeah. <sighs> Hell, they we thought they should have had that feud blown off at Rumble, but no, they had to have one last uh, loser-eats-dog-food match last week. Gross. Which should, thankfully, end that, but who God knows. Actually, I saw something that uh, you may see... Oh, you're going to see Goldberg coming back this week on SmackDown. That's because, wild. hey, well... It's not that wild. He's got a Saudi Arabia paycheck coming up. Oh, oh, they've got That's a the only reason. Saudi he's Arabia not there for Mania. For him, I forgot. Yeah, he's not there for Mania. <laughs> he's there for Saudi Arabia. I guarantee it. But 
got to think, who's he going to fight? Who's left for him? Who's next, as it were? That's a good question. Matt Riddle. No, nah, uh, I wish. I they may they may bane that or mine that road somewhere down the way. I that may happen yet. Uh not this time yet. Because they obviously Riddle's still on NXT. They haven't brought him up for anything. But think about who they're barring a, a part timer coming back like an Undertaker match, which I don't think they'll do again. I don't think they're gonna haul Kane over to Saudi Arabia for a show at this point. Big show's back, but uh, Big Show's been on Raw. So who's left on the main roster that you could fight? They're not going to put him up against Reigns because they don't want Reigns to take the loss. Ziggler's been done. Rude wouldn't move the needle at all. They're not going to have him fight Brian. Who's a good heel that's recently, you know, fresh off of a feud that doesn't have anything to do right away? The Fiend? Let's go have him squash Baron Corbin. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yes. Book it this coming week. Or this this coming Friday, I will put my money on it right now. When Goldberg comes out, you have Baron Corbin coming out and running his mouth, and that'll set up your Saudi Arabia match. Oh, uh, that's awesome! I'm in, and it'll be fun. It'll be fun watching him beat the shit out of Corbin. So I guess there is that. Actually, I went back and rewatched the uh, SummerSlam match with him and Ziggler a couple days ago. Which wasn't even really a match, but it was just fun to see Ziggler sell that spear a few times. Oh, yeah, brutal. So. Cut in half. Uh, I think that that about wraps it up on news and everything from my end, actually. I think we've burned through it all. We did it. We made it through JIW another week, guys. (laughs) I think so. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Before we get down here, as always, you can check out Journey into Wrestling on the Journey into Comics podcast. Go to Journey into Comics, or the Journey into Comics Network. Cut, duh. Uh, go to journeyintocomics.com. Get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, Castbox, and many others. Just search check out the Journey. website. Check out the website. Nate put way too much work into it for you not check it out. Yeah, I okay, <laughs> fair enough. I did do go check out the journeyintocomics.com. And check out the Facebook. Nice. Check out the Twitter. Uh, also go to our Twitter, yep, J-I-W on J-I-C. Make sure to check out Buckles on uh, Facebook.com backslash Journey Into Wrestling. If you're listening to this, come machine. bug me on Twitter. Come on. Come bug me on Twitter. I'll do an AMA eventually. Hey, there you go. That'll be awesome. <laughs> uh, anything uh, else to add before we get out of here, my brother? Um, not just not right now. I think we we pretty well covered it. All right, well, if that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling, Season 4, Episode 10, mainline that match in between my toes. <laughs> I'm Nate. Ben Buckles again. We will see you guys later.